Coffee House Shots is sponsored by NatWest, the bank that's helping small businesses build back better and greener. The transition to net zero could create 130,000 new jobs for small and medium-sized businesses. That's why NatWest is aiming to lend $100 billion in sustainable financing by 2025. Find out more about climate support for businesses at natwest.com slash climate. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by James Forsyth, Katie Bors and Fraser Nelson. So last night the Prime Minister gave a statement to the nation. This is what he had to say. No one should be in any doubt. There is a tidal wave of Omicron coming. And I'm afraid it is now clear that two doses of vaccine are simply not enough to give the level of protection we all need. But the good news is that our scientists are confident that with a third dose, a a booster dose, we can all bring our level of protection back up. Now, Katie, does this show that the government is getting quite scared of Omicron but doesn't want to quite go through with further restrictions? Yeah, I think the fact that the Prime Minister decided to do the address to the nation shows that COVID is on his mind and also he wants to show that he is taking firm action. But it's interesting in the sense that if you think back to that specific format, so the address to the nation, not a press conference, no question answer session, it's tended to be when it's quite serious announcements. So things like another lockdown, serious restrictions, and therefore... There was a sense after Boris Johnson made that announcement, which is just, we're going to ramp up the booster programme, which is a significant ramping up, but something they have been saying they were going to do for several weeks now. I think people were a bit like, is that it? And I think it points to a few things. I think, firstly, the Prime Minister's in trouble at the moment. I think he wants to look as Prime Ministerial as possible. Two, they are getting really quite worried about Omicron and see boosters as a way to, to shoulder through that. But then finally... Just the sense that Boris Johnson is heading to what we expect to be the biggest Commons rebellion from his own MPs since he won that majority of 80 later this week on vaccine passports. He's not really in a position politically where he could announce a string of new measures. Now, he could do it, but it would be dangerous politically. And therefore, I think that was Boris Johnson's attempt to say, we're doing this, but if this doesn't work, more is going to follow. So please be good and go get your booster jab. But it turns out getting your booster jab isn't actually as quite as simple as the Prime Minister suggested. Yeah, James, talk to us about that, because Sajid Javid, the Health Secretary, has made a statement in the Commons today to just explain a little bit more about how this ramping up will go. So I think, I think if you were listening to the Prime Minister's statement last night, you would think that by the end of this year, everyone would be able to get a booster shot. Sajid Javid is, in the Commons just now, appears to have been defining it as everyone would have sent a text message urging them to get a booster shot. And I mean, there is there are differences between those two things. I mean, ob- obviously, especially because a text message is not as effective in fighting off infection as the actual booster <laughs> shot itself. I mean, this is this is the problem. I mean, the, the government have essentially decided to basically get doctors and the NHS to stop doing other things to try and get more people boosted and I think they are hoping to get back to some of the intensity of the first vaccination campaign with lots of people queuing at football grounds and other big venues to get their shots and I think they are also relying on lots of people kind of walking up and being prepared to wait around for quite some time 
to get their shot as well. But I think the public will be prepared to do it if it seems like the vaccine shots are in the right place and if they can get them. I think that is not certain yet. And the government needs to kind of regain some of its reputation for competence, you know. So you had Sajid Javid yesterday saying, look, why do I know I saw some people this weekend, but I lateral flowed before I saw them. That's a good idea. Today, the lateral flow ordering on the government website isn't working. So those people who were trying to follow the health secretary's advice on that wouldn't have been able to. And so I think this is the challenge of the government here, which is, you know, yeah, if the booster programme goes up to a million jabs a day, a pace that is never done before, I think people will say, right, that, that is an impressive national effort. But if this is another example of over-promising and under-delivering, then I think the government will have a problem because, you know, whatever Sajid Javid has said in the Commons just now, you know, I mean, anyone listening to the Prime Minister's statement last night would have thought that the aim was to get the entire country a booster shot by the end of this year. Fraser, Sajid Javid has also been talking about COVID passes for next year. And in fact, the fact that boosters will be required to have a valid COVID pass. So you don't just have two jabs, you have three jabs, essentially. Well, I'm afraid to say he has to do that now, because we discovered last week that if you double jabbed with AstraZeneca, this gives you zero protection from Omicron infections. It might protect you against seriously getting ill, but it will not protect you against getting the virus or passing it on. Now, this, of course, invalidates the whole vaccine passport premise because most people from the age of 40 to 75 were double jabbed with AstraZeneca and a lot of these people especially the younger ones will not have had a chance to get a booster so under the current proposals which which by the way are still going to be voted through tomorrow you'd be handing out vaccine passports to people with whom you've got no reason to believe at all are any less likely to be carrying Omicron than somebody who is unvaccinated. So, of course, it stands to reason that if you're going to use vaccine passports, you should at least have um, a booster jab. The boosters show that that gives 75% protection, which still, by the way, is not very much. That means, you know, if you've got four people who are jabbed and boosted, one of them is likely to be unprotected. So the idea then, that this is why I think vaccine passports, as well as being a deeply liberal and worrying idea, is also an effective one. Because say there's a, a restaurant packed full of people who've all had their booster jabs, you can expect about a quarter of them to be susceptible to the virus and susceptible to giving it to people. You might think that all of those who've had the vaccine will be unlikely to get ill themselves, but it doesn't give you the kind of binary protection that the advocates of vaccine passports think. Those arguing for it like to think in a simplistic way that if you're jabbed, you're safe, and if you're not, then you're, then you're dirty, you're unclean. And some of the language in Europe has been particularly um, worrying, almost demagogic about this, about this being a, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. In fact, even before Omicron came along, most of the people in Britain in hospital with COVID had been double jabbed. I mean, those who were unjabbed were disproportionately represented in hospital. But it does not give you that protection that the theoretical concept of vaccine passports envisaged. So the whole thing has been rendered obsolete by the progression of this virus, yet the government's still going on with something. And that's why the government cannot come up with any evidence, any evidence at all, saying that its proposed vaccine passports would make any real impact on transmission because they simply don't know. This is something for the sake of doing something, for the sake of looking tough. And this is exactly what you'd expect from a rather power-hungry government, which I hope is put in its place by a sizable parliamentary rebellion tomorrow. We're up to 79 people now, I think. So that's quite a good number of Tory rebels.
Well, Katie, let's talk about tomorrow. Fraser says we're up to almost 80 rebels. I mean, that's pretty much the size of Boris Johnson's majority. Um, obviously, Labour are going to vote with the government, so the vote will go through. But this is not a good place for the Prime Minister to be in on Monday evening. No, it's uncomfortable. And the spectators running a, a constantly updated list of the vaccine passport rebels. And it's really interesting in the way that lots of people want to be on this list. And I think there is a sense amongst MPs that they want to make a point that they are not going along with the government's plans. And I think that for some, they just completely oppose vaccine passports, always have. For others, I think what's pushing them over the edge here is general dissatisfaction with the number 10 operation. The fact that they might be okay with vaccine passports in a large concert venue, but given number 10 has U-turned so many times or gone back on its word, they don't trust the government not to roll it out further, particularly when the Prime Minister today in a pool clip is already being pressed on a plan C. And I think there's also an aspect of this, which is this a protest vote. And then I think speaking to one senior Tory who's considering rebelling, one of the problems Boris Johnson is going to have is a lot of the newer intake who haven't really rebelled before could be on this list. And as soon as you rebel once, it gets much easier to do so a second time. James, is there anything that the government can do to head off the size of the rebellion right now? Or is it just a fait accompli? Uh, I think the irony is that the government initially came up with a plan, which I mean, they could have presented to Tory MPs in a way that might not have led to a rebellion of quite this size. And you saw Sajid Javid trying to do this in the Commons today, but this is essentially a testing requirement from which the double vaccinated are exempted. But I think that hopes of doing that were blown out of the water when Boris Johnson appeared to flirt with the idea of mandatory vaccination in that press conference. And I think that that's so appalled talking to Tory MPs who are normally not inclined to kind of rebel against the government on COVID. I mean, that so appalled some of them. They were like, well, who knows where this ends? So it's time to draw a line in the sand. I mean, I mean that is part of the problem. I also think, as Katie says, the, the context is very difficult. I think that, you know, I think a lot of Tory MPs feel cross. They were given assurances by their whips that, you know, look, there won't be any further measures on Omicron until we've seen the data on vaccine efficacy. And yet the government now feels it has to act before that data, which is leaving Tory MPs thinking, well, what is an assurance from Downing Street worth? So, you know, when they're told that these won't be used to determine who can go into you know, more basic venues. I mean, they're becoming concerned about that. That, I think, is a problematic issue. I think to kind of zoom out for a second, I mean, the great irony is that before this new variant came onto the scene, you know, the great hope in government was that this Christmas would be the kind of moment when they regain some of their reputation for competence. That, you know, you would see Europe with restrictions and England in particular with very few, and, and that, that would help them. And instead, Christmas is turning into this awful event because the country is once more going through the kind of psychological torture of being left, you know, not knowing until you have the Downing Street press conference what is going to be allowed the next day. And I think that really is hurting the government, along with all the other news at the moment. And you can really see that in the polls. Katie, James and Fraser, thanks very much. And thank you for listening. Join us again tomorrow. And remember, if you like what we're doing here on the podcast, you can subscribe to the Evening Blend newsletter at spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. <laughs>